1: Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. When Florida State and Miami meet this weekend in Tallahassee, you can throw out the record books. Anything can happen. Over the course of their history, beginning in 1951, the Hurricanes lead the all-time series 35-32. Florida State has won the past two, including a 45-3 drubbing last season. Is this the year Miami gets back on the winning train, or will the number 4 Seminoles close the all-time gap to just two games? To help break down this game, I welcome in Essen Kasim, Seminole's beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat, and Steve Gorton, a longtime journalist who provides freelance coverage of the Hurricanes for the Palm Beach Post. They'll break down this game in a more even-keeled way than anyone in the media this week. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Florida State and Miami are getting set for the 68th meeting in their storied histories. Let's bring in our guests to start breaking down this game. Steve, I'm proud to welcome in a fellow University of Florida J School grad. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And Essen, as always, thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, Thanks for having me on again.
1: Alrighty. Well, we're going to start with Steve. Uh, before we get into the upcoming Seminoles-Hurricanes game, let's look at what happened to Miami this past weekend in a loss, a surprising loss to NC State. Tyler Van Dyke had three interceptions and the Hurricanes mustered just two first half field goals. Steve, what happened to the Hurricanes? Yeah, you know, I think
0: a lot of people felt good about the the program going into that game. Uh, they just clinched bowl eligibility, uh, you know, with a back pair of uh, overtime wins there against Clemson and Virginia. They actually ended up scoring on their two of their first uh, three offensive drives with field goals, but then they just hit a wall offensively and they they struggled the whole night to move the ball. And their defense was able to keep them in there uh, most of the game, and then. I think they just finally fell apart uh, when Miami had about a fourth and one at the NC State three there um, in the fourth quarter and were stopped short. And then NC State put together a 97 yard touchdown drive, which pretty much matched their offensive total for the game up to that point. So um, I I think just their offensive struggles uh, kept them from from having a chance to win that game.
1: All right, and we're going to talk a little bit more later on about Tyler Van Dyke. But first, I want to hear from Essen on Florida State, who this past weekend, they kind of rolled to what you might call an easy win over Pittsburgh, 24-7. to Jordan Travis, 360 yards. He looked great again. So coming out of that game, any concerns, anything we should know, or was that just a pretty good win to get in and get out with?
2: And that was, I mean, a 24-7 win when you don't have uh, Deion Coleman and Johnny Wilson Two other receivers, he- Heikey Williams and Deuce Banner were out. So Florida State was very short-handed. They Jordan Travis throwing for 360 yards in a game without, you know, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson was impressive in, his, in its own right. Um, the, Pittsburgh took away the run game. Um, they have a stout run defense as usual. So Florida State just had to re- depend on Jordan Travis, and I think that was probably his best game of the season, throwing for 360. Um, you know, defense played a complete game. I think a 24/7 game at Pitt does not look, you know, what fans want. They want that beautiful, that great win, that beautiful win, the style points. But you just got to take the win how you get it. Sometimes I don't think I was one of the best games this year overall, with considering the circumstances in that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now let's move on to this weekend's game. It's going to be the 68th meeting between Florida State and Miami. Miami leads 35-32, to 32, so Florida State can narrow that gap to just two games if they win for the third year in a row. Steve, FSU comes in a 13- or 14-point favorite, depending on which sports put you're looking at. So what is it Miami needs to do well to capture the upset win, and what can you do to give Hurricanes fans some hopes heading up to Tallahassee?
0: Dikes. Well, they need to do a lot just to really have a chance to stay in this game. But, you know, I think one of the things um, that's going to be key for them is is being able to be a little bit more. And I touched on this a little bit in the opening, but look, being a little bit more uh, creative offensively with the game plan. So they got to sort out what they're going to do a quarterback once they settle there. Um, they're just going to have to be a, a little bit more creative with what they do. They're really vanilla against NC State. They really have in the past couple games. Um, they need to be able to run the ball effectively. They got to find a way to shorten this game. They cannot have any offensive drives that are any three and outs or try to limit the three and outs because you can't be turning the ball back over to that Florida State offense. Um, they really have to find a way to to limit Florida State's explosive plays. Um, and I think that the health of Keon Coleman and, and uh, Wilson is going to be key. That's going to be a major issue for them. But I think that they're going to have to find um, they're going to have to find a way to, to, to cover those guys. And I think their best bet is to try to to double team Keon Coleman and take their chances of getting burnt elsewhere. Uh but also taking care of the ball themselves and and creating some turnovers, creating some havoc um, with their own defense. Um, they're gonna to have to try to make um Jordan Travis uncomfortable. They're gonna to have to try to force some some turnovers. Whenever you have a, a game that's this lopsided on paper, you gotta find a way to equalize that by coming up with with uh, big plays by turning the ball over. So I, um, those are some aspects that are gonna be important for them.
1: Yeah, boy, that's tough because you try and take away Keon Coleman and take away some of those receivers. Then you're allowing Trey Benson the potential to run wild on you. So that'll be interesting to see there. And we'll talk about some uh, scheming here in a little bit as well. But, you know, Essen, similar question to you, but what does FSU need to do to avoid the upset and what could lead to them falling at home in front of a friendly crowd?
2: Yeah, I think it just comes down to like what Steve brought up a great point. Turnovers, really, you know, the, the ultimate thing here. Florida State, I think, has had, like, two turnovers in this past four games, so they've done a good job keeping controlling the ball, which also, turnovers is a great, you know, a thing that is kind of like, yes, it's a great thing to have, it's a great stat to have, but it's also a lot of luck involved as well, so you have to wonder if, like, you know, if Jordan Travis throws a ball, that a, a catchable ball to a, a um, cornerback, is that going to be caught? As, you know, so Florida State's got to avoid that. They, they can't turn the ball over. They cannot give Miami life. Um, Florida State's... Held um, last week, Pittsburgh against 100 yards. That's the first time they've done held a opponent against h- under 100 yards this l- this year. I think that's been a key, another key, because um, like Steve mentioned, st- um, Tyler Dyke has really struggled lately. Three return numbers this game. I think he had two more against Clemson. So if he's throwing the ball, if he's forcing him to throw the ball, it seems like he's more prone to throw interceptions right now. So I think Miami, um, Florida State's got to get after him, put pressure on him. And just make sure he never gets comfortable, because if he gets comfortable, we all know how good of a quarterback he can be. All right.
1: Well, Steve, so let's talk about that Miami offense and Tyler Van Dyke, because, you know, he was injured earlier this season. We actually saw the freshman Emery Williams start and win a game. And, you know, people wonder what's going on with backup Jakari Brown. So why don't you talk about what's been going on with the quarterbacks, who we're going to see out there, and what has been the problem with Van Dyke?
0: Yeah, um, that's been a big topic big topic of conversation down here really uh, m- much of the past four weeks, but really since Saturday's game. Um, you know, it, it's been two completely different seasons, these first eight games for Van Dyke. If you look at the first four games of the season, he threw 11 touchdowns, had one interception. In fact, he said at that point, he felt like he was playing his best football ever in his third season as starter. Since then, in the four games since, He's thrown 10 interceptions, five touchdowns in that span. And on Saturday, he had three interceptions. Granted, the last two were inconsequential. One was in the final minutes, fourth and 18. The other was the last play of the game. But his first pick was consequential. They were about to drive uh, to take the lead in the, in the second quarter. And he also fumbled, which, um, which set up an NC State field goal in the first half. So a lot of it has been the way defenses have approached him is that they've only been rushing three guys. And that's part of the reason why the offensive line has looked good. Granted, they've been a good unit, but that's been part of the reason. They've only been rushing three and they've been dropping back eight. And they're basically telling him to, you know, go ahead and beat us. And he's just made some poor decisions. Um, I think it's gotten to the point now where he's really beat up. And you can see it in his body language. Um, and, And we're talking about physically. We're talking about mentally. Um, but they have a major problem here uh and, and a lot of fans have been questioning whether or not they should give um the true freshman Emery Williams his second start. Emory started uh the Clemson game because uh Van Dyke had a a, a leg bruise he came out for warm ups wasn't able to go they started Emory played the entire game they really played it tight to the vest uh with him um were very conservative with their game plan, but he seemed to to Relaxed a little bit as the game unfolded. They won that game in, uh, in double overtime. So a lot of fans are, are clamoring to put Emory in there as a starter. Um, you mentioned uh, Jakuri Brown. He's kind of a mystery. Um, he has not played this year. Uh, he played in eight games last year, had two starts. In fact, he had an impact in that Florida State game. Um, I think that his very first play of the game, he came in for uh, injured TBD. He had an 18-yard run. Um, he ended up leading the team in rushing that game against Florida State, but he, uh, he, he's a guy that just has not been used this year. And, uh, you know, Mario, first of all, was asked today about whether or not we can, uh, plan on seeing Jakari either on Saturday or all this season, or if he's going to be redshirted. And he was really vague about that. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen, but you, you have the fans really split into two camps. Here In terms of either wanting to start Emory Williams and just not not sticking with Van Dyke or you know not really trusting throwing a freshman in there and wanting to stick with the more experienced guy
1: all righty, so on the other side of the ball, of course, quarterback uh, Jordan Travis is in the Heisman conversation right now he's having a great season you've got. You know, guys like Keon Coleman that we've talked about, he makes circus catches and, you know, Trey Benson runs wild. Johnny Wilson reaches over people, but there is that health aspect. So, Essen, why don't you update us as to, uh, you know, who's healthy, who's not, and what they should be looking like on offense heading into this game?
2: You know, um, we had talked to Mike Norvell earlier today. He said that um, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are, you know, he didn't specify if they practice, but he said that. They had a more participation at practice Sunday night. We'll see what happens tomorrow. It's funny because we didn't see Keon Coleman practice all week last week. The days the media was out there. But I didn't think anything of it because they do a think of they rush their players a lot on days during the week. So it didn't look like he was dealing with anything that looked like it was serious, but obviously he didn't play. So it could be interesting. I'm not I think he's his status up in, is up in the air. Same with Johnny Wilson. Um, he made the trip last week, so that tells me he's closer to playing. But Keon Coleman was out there also before the game in, um, you know, street clothes. So he made the trip as well. So I wonder if he was just, you know, being pre- 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 precautionary. So I would, unless I see something else, I, I'm i betting, I'm willing to guess the or closer to being back this week. But hard to know for sure without seeing what it go- look- looks like. Um, Mike Norvell had some fun today. At the end of the – during the ESPN broadcast, they showed Jordan Travis his final play, walking off and showing Norvell his knee. Norvell said that um, he was just showing him his grass stain and that Jordan Travis is all right. He's not, worry, we're not, he's not worried about it.
1: Yeah, of course. Checking out the old grass stains because d- does that mean Norvell is using Tide with bleach to clean the uh, uniforms? <laughs> Strange thing to say. All right. Well, you know, hey, if, if you know, I'm sure if their guys are healthy, they'll want them out there. But, you know, looking ahead, if they can get past Miami, you have North Alabama. Maybe they want the squad either healthy for Florida or as they head into the postseason. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. Now, Steve, let's talk about Miami's run game because Henry Parrish Jr., he's their overall leader in rushing, but he only had 15 yards last week. Don Chaney Jr. is second. Uh, with 379 yards, he only had four. But then enter Mark Fletcher Jr., who broke out for 115 yards last week. So talk about the run game and what Miami may try and accomplish against Florida State there. Who are we going to see the most of?
0: Yeah, I think if you're you're watching this game Saturday, you can expect Mark Fletcher to get the majority of the carries, uh, and you could very likely see him start. Um, The reason why Fletcher hasn't uh, gotten as much action as the other guys Um, earlier in the year is that he missed more than a month with a stress fracture and his foot injury. So the Virginia game uh, was actually his first game back. Came back, rushed for 47 yards on 11 carries, had the winning touchdown in overtime. Um, As you mentioned, had a great performance this past week at NC State in the loss, uh, 115 yards on 23 carries. Um, He's just... He just really has emerged as their top back. He's, he's 6'2", 225. He's a bruising guy. Uh, just a strong runner, north-south. Um, I think that they feel good about having the group that they have. Um, A.J. Allen is another guy, Nebraska transfer, who did not play this past week because he was injured, um, but is available. So they like having the versatility of being able to go with whoever is the hot hand. And they've actually needed all the guys because they've had various injuries to different guys, um, throughout their, uh, throughout their rotation. Um, but I, I think that Mark Fletcher is going to be their, uh, primary back. I think you're going to see really between now and the rest of the year, he's going to kind of take over as the guy after they've gone with running back by committee so far. Um, but most did say that, you know, he feels like that, that group having had a bunch of different guys that can carry the ball has helped them because, they have a unique situation with that position group where they actually have a lot of competitiveness. Um, and it's a healthy culture that, if you remember, the old Miami Hurricanes teams used to have that at that position, right, with Frank Gore and Willis McGahee and whatnot. They really could use that type of competition at other positions on the team now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now, so, Essin, let's look at FSU's defense. How do you think they're going to game plan for Miami and who's going to be shadowing Miami's talented receiver Xavier Estrepo, Because he's really been a bright spot there on that Miami offense.
2: Yeah, I think um, Florida State's going to first and foremost take try to take away the run. And um, as you mentioned, you know Steve mentioned they have a stable of backs. They have Fletcher, who's obviously a talented, talented runner. I think they're going to first try to take away the run game because Florida State's defense has excelled in um, the pass game this year. They've allowed four passing touchdowns all season they're the only team in november that uh, in october that they not allow a to passing touchdown so they've excelled in that this year um i would guess Ventral cypress plays a lot on xavier and then we could see some um renardo green as well i don't think they're going to have one person shadow per se but i think they will move guys around and give him different looks give tyler van dyke different looks or whoever the quarterback may be different looks so that they're not getting comfortable to you know keep to see what their reads are and make it difficult and change it up I would expect to see a lot of you know uh, Patrick Payton and um, Jared Verse trying to get to the quarterback and trying to disturb everything from the defensive end positions. I think Florida State is well positioned. They're uh, coming off a game where they were able to um, spread some snaps around on defense, spread some snaps around on offense. Well, they're a little more rested, even though they played a tough road tougher road game. They are a little more rested. They are going to be you know have a lot more energy. I think the defense has played really well and has just been one best defense in the country in the past month or so.
1: Yeah, when you look at the numbers, actually, and Steve, let's look at Miami's defense. They show up as the number 19 defense in the nation based on yards allowed per game, where FSU is actually uh, further down at 33. So if you're Mario Cristobal, how are you game planning for the Seminoles? Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you know, top 20
0: defense total, uh, total defense in the country. Uh, they're also tied for eight nationally with 30 sacks. And they're tied for ninth in tackles for loss per game with 7.6. So their defensive front, uh, I think, is going to be the key for them. Um, they got a, the freshman uh, freshman end, Ruben uh, Hurricane Bain. <laughs> that is his nickname, yes. Uh, but Ruben Bain, he's, he's really basically been what uh, Mario Cristobal has called a game wrecker. Um, he's just been completely dominant with with quarterback pressures, with sacks, tackles for losses. Uh, but he's going to be key for them up front. Um, I think getting a lot of pressure on on Jordan Travis, trying to 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 rush him into making mistakes, is going to be key. Obviously, that's you know Travis is poised. He's not a guy that that gets rattled easily. And you also got to be cautious. I mean, I think last year Florida State game, you saw how successful the Gators were in pressuring Travis, and yet he escaped repeatedly and once just killed him on the ground with his legs. So that's obviously a concern, too, for Miami's defense. But I think up front trying to cause some disruptions, going to be key because just as Florida State has some injuries with their receivers, uh, two of Miami's uh, cornerbacks uh, starting corners, they actually start three, but two of them, Daryl Porter Jr. and uh, Jaden Davis, both got injured against NC State this past week. So uh, now the, the the guys that filled in for him, uh, a couple of brothers, uh Damari Brown and Devante Brown, uh Devante's a transfer from UCF. Those guys filled in, t- played pretty well. Um, but it's it's obviously going to be a huge challenge for the Miami Corners to to try to stick with um, stick with Florida State's receivers, even if even if uh Porter and Jade Davis are healthy. But I think overall, if you're Miami, you just do what you know what works for you. You create a bunch of pressure. You try to double-team Coleman. You leave your safeties one-on-one with some of their tight ends over the middle. And you, you just hope you don't get burnt. You know, you hope that maybe Cam Kinchin's, uh, their All-American safety, has one of his
1: games where he can come up with a couple of turnovers. All righty. I'm sure that lots of Hurricane fans will be eager to see if he can do that. As in, you know, what what's been FSU's biggest weakness, would you say, this season? And what do you think they're going to be working on this week heading into the Miami game?
2: I definitely. Say it's been their running game. They are pretty low in the nation when it comes to um, for I don't know if the stats pulled up right now, but they've struggled the run game this year. At um, you know Trey Benson, I think half the yards against Pitt came on one run, 55 yard run against uh, by Trey Benson. They've had the big plays in the run game, but it's not been a consistent of them getting yards, getting three, four yards, and you know just moving the chains, getting positive plays. They have a lot of negative plays in the run game this year, so that's I think that's definitely their weakness. That's why they haven't sustained as many drives, which has hurt some of them sometimes. You know, It's crazy to say that for a team that's averaging over 40 points a game, but they've left a lot of stuff on the table because their offense, it's very explosive. We can make a big plays, but it cannot stay in the field consistently because a lot of times they cannot get that run game going. We've seen, seen it against Boston College where they kind of struggled, which Boston College is better than we expected, to put that game away because they didn't, um, establish a run game. So I think that's the thing that Florida state has been their weakness. It'd be interesting to see if they could get better blocking better. You know, um, the, the coaches have said there's been a couple times for like, Oh, I should have made this cut instead of this cut or made this read instead of this read. So there's been missed opportunities by the running, running backs, but there's also just been a lot of times where the blocking has not been good enough for the run game to establish itself.
1: All right. And then Steve, similar question for Miami. What has their weakest area been? Is it something on offense, something on defense, or is it just knowing how to take a knee? Uh,
0: Game management is definitely um, their biggest weakness, um, game and clock management. And and that would be something that I think would factor in uh, larger if, if this was a game that you could see going down the wire, which doesn't seem like it. but. Um, it could potentially. But I think what, one number that stands out glaringly is that they're uh, they're tied for 121st in the nation in turnovers. They have 19. Um, but I think that the lingering issue really most of the season has been the passing game as a whole. And I don't think you can blame one uh, one person for it. But it's been a combination of of the new offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson, just not utilizing a lot of the weapons. Um, you look at Brashard Smith, one of their top athletes. He had zero, I think zero or maybe one or two targets um, the entire game against NC State. Uh, So they haven't been using him. They got a a speedy guy, uh, Tyler Harrell, who averaged almost 30 yards a catch a couple years ago at Louisville. They have not used him at all this year. Their receivers, Jacoby George, Colby Young, Xavier Restrepo, none of them have been able to really create a lot of space. so I think it's it's just it's been a combination of the, the receivers not really standing out, uh Shannon Dawson not being very creative. Uh and he you know, he really was early on in the season if you watch the Texas AM game, but he's I don't know if it's been a, a lack of trust with Tyler Van Dyke, but they've gone a lot more conservative and I think their weakness would be their passing game right now. I think it's uh it's really holding them back.
1: All right. Now normally I like to have the two reporters Uh, ask each other questions because, you know, I can only see what I see on TV or read. You guys are around these teams. So is there anything, Essen, you would like to ask uh, Steve about the Hurricanes?
2: Yeah, Steve, I mean, um, just watching the Hurricanes this year, it seems at different points the teams had an opportunity, like, you know, we've seen in the past Miami teams will, you know, quote-unquote quit when things get um, um, adversity hits. Have you seen that from this team this year, or has this just been a team that's, you know, gone week to week and just had different like low points and high points or what's it been like what's what's that wave been like this year for the team you know I I haven't
0: seen that I think if you you look at a couple of key points um you know that they you look at I think we all wondered how they would respond after that debacle at the end of the game against Georgia Tech with the with the not taking the kneel down they came out they played strong against North Carolina and really Mm -hmm. Um, they weren't positioned to win that game at half. They just, uh, they weren't able to, to make the, or UNC made some great adjustments at halftime. They did not. Um, and then, you know, they, they seem to have, you know, overcome their adversity. I think that this group has a different, uh, identity than, um, some of the past Hurricanes teams. Another game I think that would have been a classic game where you would have seen them maybe not be able to recover was the Clemson game. Um they were starting a true freshman quarterback Emery Williams down 10 in the fourth quarter. They came back um one and double overtime again facing adversity against Virginia. They were down in the fourth, came back one in overtime. So they've been um able to handle that uh and, and bounce back well. So we'll see how they respond to NC State. I think that you did start to see some frustration creep in with the defensive players at the end of that game. Um, just in, you know, I I think they, you know, they feel like they're really having to carry this team right now. And, um, if the offense struggles again, you you might see a fracture there within the locker room, possibly. So depending on how the, the game goes this Saturday with Florida State.
1: Alrighty. And Steve, is there anything you would like to ask Essen about the Seminoles?
0: Um,
1: I am, I am
0: curious what you think, uh, would be, a player that maybe, you know, outside of the obvious ones that the Miami Hurricanes, um, fans should look out for this week for Florida State, that maybe they haven't seen regularly all season, um, that, that you think that they, uh, should know more about.
2: I'd say Ja'Kai Douglas, um, you know, coming off career high, six receptions, 115 yard game, he missed the first five games due to a, um, lower leg injury or sorry, shoulder injury. And, um, He's come back. He's come on a little slowly. He had I think more drops than catches coming into last week. Had an uneven week in practice from what we saw, where he had some drops on some balls, and then just came into the game and blew up. He's a great route runner. He's only five nine, so playing him on the outside was interesting last week, but they had no choice because he was their most talented, you know, receiver. That was not hurt. Um, But, yeah, at 5'9", he has good speed. He's a great route runner, one of my favorite route runners to watch on the team at practice. He's been fun to watch. I think um, he could be a player. He got some punt return duties last week with Keon Coleman being out. But just a guy that Jordan Travis has a lot of trust in, the coaching staff has a lot of trust in. He's quick twitched. He can get in and out of his routes really quickly. And I think even if if, um, Johnny Wilson and Keon um, Coleman play, Ja'Kai Douglas could be the starter at slot and um, give the Hurricanes an extra receiver to worry about coming off his breakout game.
1: All right. Not what Florida Gators fans want to hear is, yes, Florida State actually has three great receivers (laughs) instead of two. (laughs) Wonderful. All right, guys. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this game, depending on where you look at the spreads, it's either 13 or 14 points. So let's go with this purpose, 14 points. It sounds like both of you guys are are kind of in consensus that you lead toward Florida State. But, you know, Steve, I'll start with you. If you're spending $100 of Essence money, do you put it on the Hurricanes or the Seminoles with those 14 points?
0: I think the Seminoles are going to cover Um And I tell you what, I I think that Miami's defense is good enough to keep them in this game. The problem is that I think that the the offense is just going to Miami's offense is going to have too many three and outs. They're going to be giving Florida State too many possessions, not to mention turnovers. They're going to either immediately turn into points or set up. Uh, Jordan Travis in the offenses score a lot of points so I, I think it's it's going to be a blowout I mean I'm expecting probably 41 to 10 something along those lines but I think Florida State covers pretty easily
1: all right and Essen you've just picked Steve's pocket and you have a hundred dollars of his money and want to bet it quickly who are you putting your money on
2: definitely Florida State I think they cover um I would um if you're gonna ask me to score right now it's a um 35-13 to 13 final, um, I think Florida State covers pretty easily, and um, it. that Miami scored to make it 13 is late in the game when it's a little garbage time, so I think Florida State wins this handily. I think they're the better team, have um, more talent, have more confidence, and frankly, better coaching staff.
1: All righty. Well, if you guys see each other in the press box, watch each other's wallet. We don't want anybody taking each other's money. <laughs> All right. So guys, is there anything else, Steve, we'll start with you. Is there anything else you want to get in front of the audience about this game before we wrap things up?
0: Um, One thing to watch for, I I think it's still kind of open-ended whether or not the, the Hurricanes start Tyler Van Dyke. Um, I think it's a very real possibility that they end up uh, going with, uh, with Emery Williams. So I think that's something to watch. Um, You know, Mario Cristobal even came out today and was really vague about, you know, who his starter is going to be a quarterback. So I think they they will do that. I personally would like to see them put together a unique game plan where they work in both Jakari Brown um, and Emory Williams and use both of their strengths. But I think that's going to be key. And obviously, I think the injuries on both both uh, for both teams on both sides of the ball are, are going to be uh, key.
1: Already in Essen, is there anything else you'd like to say about Florida State or this game in general, being in Tallahassee, anything like that?
2: I mean, I think um, Florida, the Miami game has been a statement game for Jordan Travis in years past, third and thirteen. Um, that you know, big play was um, a couple years ago. Or it was fourth and 13, Then you had you know that forty five three statement win last year. I think Jordan Travis he doesn't care about Heisman. The, he, he talks about he wants the team to win more, but. This would be a great opportunity for him to have a um, boost his Heisman candidacy. He's done a great job in the past month. If he has his receivers back after doing 360 yards without those top two receivers, I think he has a chance to really um, put himself back in the middle of the race.
1: All righty. And leading up to this game, if you want to read Steve's great work from the Miami angles, you can visit palmbeachpost.com. If you want to read Essen's work with the Seminoles angles, you can go to tallahassee.com. And Steve, where can people find you on social media?
0: Uh, you can find my, me on Twitter at
1: S-Gorton, S-G-O-R-T-E-N. All and Essen, where can we find you?
2: Yeah, it's Essen, um, E-H-S-A-N, underscore Kassim, K-A-S-S-I-M.
1: All righty, well, guys, this has been a great conversation. I look forward to seeing this game 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. Steve, appreciate you joining me for your inaugural showing on the podcast.
0: All right, thanks a lot. Hope to be on later again.
1: All righty, and Essen, of course, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll probably be talking to you as we near that Florida-Florida State game here in a few weeks.
2: Oh, that's coming up still, too, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> and that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote FSU coaching legend Bobby Bowden, people that are brilliant and successful, we think they've just always been that way. That's not the case most of them have had some tough adversity in their life. It's prepared them. I've never felt like you can develop character without adversity. Great advice from a great coach. Thanks for listening and join me again next time.